0: I can't wait for you to experience the magic of this beautiful gratitude journal for mothers. You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, and if you're listening to this episode right when it goes live, this is the first week of February, which is Black History Month. Is this something you want to celebrate with your kids but don't quite know how to go beyond discussions of slavery and the civil rights movement? My dear friend Jasmine Bradshaw, founder of the First Name Basis podcast, has taught me how important it is to emphasize Black achievement not just Black struggle when talking to my children about history. This is why she created Bite-Sized Black History, an incredible series of podcast episodes that families can listen to together during the month of February, or really anytime, time, to learn about remarkable Black Americans who have been overlooked by the history books. Each podcast episode is less than 10 minutes long and features the story of one remarkable Black American. There are episodes about psychologists, zoologists, architects, athletes, pilots, and so much more. When you purchase a season of Bite-Sized Black History, you also get a printable workbook that includes a coloring sheet and discussion questions for each of the incredible Black heroes spotlighted. This makes for great family discussions as you all learn together. To purchase Bite-Sized Black History, go to allyelementary.com slash blackhistory and use the code 3in30 to save 15% on the course. Even better, when you use that discount code, an additional 15% of your purchase will be donated to the Black Emotional and Mental Health Collective, a nonprofit dedicated to removing the barriers that Black people experience while trying to get access to emotional health care and healing through education, training, advocacy, and the creative arts. I am so excited to use Bite Size Black History to learn with my family this month, and I hope that you will join me. Go to allyelementary.com slash blackhistory and use the code 3in30 for 15% off and to donate to an incredible nonprofit. That's A-L-L-Y elementary.com slash blackhistory. Welcome to 3in30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30 minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. Hello, my friends. Happy Monday. I am so excited to talk with you today. And I mean to really talk with you, to share my heart about some of the things that have been on my mind for the past few months and years. I am at the library right now in a little workroom. And so I don't have perfect audio. I actually don't even have my microphone with me. But I am feeling really pulled and motivated to share. And so I opened up my computer and I'm going to do it. You may hear my neighbor through the wall doing his own work and his own business calls. I hope that that won't be a distraction as I really get to go deep and share my heart with you. So I think why I'm feeling especially tender today is I've been thinking about my grandpa. This week would be his 94th birthday, but he actually passed away about 18 months ago. I've been thinking about him and I have a really tender experience that I wanna share with him. It might be one of the most important moments of my whole life. It's gonna be a core memory for sure. It's one of those top 10 moments that imprint on you that you know you'll never forget. Before I share that moment with my grandpa, I need to go back in time a little bit and give you some context. So I'm going to be talking about faith crises on this episode today. And to give you some background, I grew up in a very religious family. We went to church every Sunday, and I still go to church every Sunday, and I still love the faith tradition that I grew up in. But as I have become an adult, that has become much more nuanced. And at times I've had to grapple with things that I never imagined that I would grapple with when I was a young child. I really feel like my religious upbringing was incredibly positive. You hear about people who talk about the trauma that they have experienced from a highly religious upbringing. And I don't relate with that because. My parents were very emotionally healthy and they brought religion into our home as a support, as a blessing. My faith community was so supportive and important to me growing up, especially as my mom got diagnosed with breast cancer when I was six and passed away when I was 19. And our relationships at church really sustained us as well as the faith that we had in God that we were taught about at church really, really sustained us. And I carried that devotion to God and to my faith community into my adulthood. And so it really shocked me a few years ago when I started to have serious questions about my faith tradition. It seemed like it came out of nowhere. It seemed like it was too late for that. Like, wouldn't I have had these struggles as a teenager or as a younger adult? Like, where is this coming from? Why do I suddenly feel like my faith is in crisis? And that's truly what it felt like. I know there's some people who shy away from the term faith crisis and they'll say things like, you're just on a faith journey or a faith expansion. But that term crisis captures what it felt like to me to feel like the foundation of so many of my beliefs was being pulled out from under me. I felt like I was having a hard time trusting having a hard time believing and hoping, not knowing what was true. I've also heard faith crisis described as a belonging crisis. And that really resonates with me because I wondered if I belonged. I wondered if I start to believe differently than all of these people who I love and admire in my life, who share my faith tradition, will I still belong? Will I still be respected and valued and part of a community and part of a family, an extended family. I mean, I knew nobody was going to disown me, but I worried that they wouldn't respect and love me in the same way. And as I mentioned, I didn't know why it had seemingly suddenly come upon me, these doubts, these questions, this faith crisis. With some deeper digging and more reflection, I actually came to realize that I think that these doubts and questions that this faith crisis happened because of the best parts of me, the best, most loving parts of me. As we age sometimes, we start to see that the world is bigger and more nuanced and more painful than we ever realized, and that there were doctrines and cultural practices in my faith tradition that were painful for marginalized communities and I could see that and I wasn't okay with it like I used to be when I was younger when I couldn't see it. I also think that as I started this podcast and I did a deep dive into parenting and learning about gentle, kind, respectful parenting, I recognized that some of the ways that I had been taught to view God didn't match up. If I believed in a loving Heavenly Father, which I do, it didn't match with what I was hearing at church that was so often punitive, authoritarian, kind of a conform or else type of view of God. And it was the deep dive into becoming a good parent that started with this podcast that led me to realize that I think God is a bigger, better parent than the way that I had been taught, or at least how I had interpreted what I had been taught for so many years and so, getting back to the experience with my grandpa, I had been holding all of this for a couple of years these doubts, questions, worries, concerns, this deep, deep grappling, this sense of crisis, this sense of wondering if I could have these questions and still belong. I'd been holding that for a few years when I was asked to give a talk in church. And I decided that it was time to open up a little bit about the struggle that I was facing, to talk to the people in my church community. And to basically say, this happens for people and it's okay. And these are the resources that I found to just put it out there and feel like I could be more honest with the people that I worship with every week. I decided to do that. I decided to stand in front of my congregation and be really honest. And that was in early 2021, January 2021. So we were coming off of the pandemic and Church was still being broadcast via Zoom for those people that didn't feel comfortable attending in person. So I asked my dad and my sisters if they wanted to listen to this talk I was going to give. My dad and my sisters were aware of the struggle that I'd been having, even though I kept it pretty close and didn't talk to too many people about it. And so I wanted them to be able to listen in. So they did, and I gave the talk, and it was a good experience. But later that night, my dad mentioned to me that he had passed the Zoom link along to my grandpa. He said, I don't know if grandpa watched, but he did have the Zoom link. And I'll admit that my heart kind of dropped when my dad told me that because I had never talked to my grandpa about any of these doubts and questions. And I just wasn't sure that I wanted him to know all of that about me. I was worried that he might be disappointed in me. He might think less of me. He might be panicked by my struggle and feel the need to convince me away from it. I just worried about his judgment. Later that night, I saw my grandpa's name on my caller ID, and I knew that he was calling me because he had listened. And I timidly answered the phone and heard my grandfather's loving voice say, Rachie baby, And that's the nickname that he's always called me since I was a little girl. He said, Rachie baby, I have been proud of you your entire life and never more so than today. And literally tears sprang into my eyes. I was standing in my kitchen. My whole family was around me. When I heard those words, tears sprang into my eyes and I ran upstairs to grab my Flex of Gold journal to write down that quote from my grandpa. And to be able to have this conversation with him in my quiet bedroom without all the commotion of family life. We went on and we talked for probably half an hour about faith. And my grandpa reassured me that it's okay to have questions and doubts and struggles. He said, you made so many people in that congregation feel less alone today. I'm so proud of you. You've always had the courage to open up and to be honest so many of us are sitting there grappling with our own doubts and questions and wondering if we're the only ones. And it takes someone really brave to start that conversation and to have that kind of honesty. That conversation, I truly believe, was life-changing for me. To hear my grandpa say, I am proud of you for who you are. I do not think less of you for your struggles, for your doubts, for your questions. I felt so unconditionally loved and supported by him. And what makes that even more special is that just a few months later, my grandfather passed away, and I'm so grateful that I was able to have that conversation with him before he died so that I could take his words with me for the rest of my life. And as I mentioned, it's his birthday this week, and I'm thinking about him and thinking of how grateful I am to have had someone love me like that. And also to have an example of somebody who changed and grew and softened throughout his life, who never stopped growing and learning and loving and staying open to the perspectives of other people. Because I don't think my grandpa was always quite so open-minded and loving. And he actually has several of his own children who left the faith tradition that he raised them in that I grew up in. And I don't think he had that same kind of loving, soft response. And I think in his old age, he regretted that. And he realized that what people need is support and understanding and a safe place to land and to talk. And he was able to do that for his granddaughter, even if he wasn't always able to do that for his children. And isn't that incredible to think that if we allow ourselves to, we continue to grow and soften and become better versions of ourselves as we get older. So in honor of my grandpa telling me the words that I needed to hear that day, I want to share today three things that you might need to hear if you are in the middle of a faith crisis. These are three things that helped me tremendously in the middle of my faith crisis, and I hope that they might be helpful to you as well. I am in a much better place with my faith. I feel like I will always have doubts and questions I will always have to hold but I don't feel like I'm in crisis anymore. I do think that I'll probably go in and out of moments and seasons of feeling a little bit more in crisis for the rest of my life. I don't think faith will ever be as simple and certain for me as it once was, but I'm more comfortable with that than I used to be. And I really want to give you hope that that is possible for you too if you are in a place where you are feeling alone and you are feeling the pain of your shifting faith. And that's actually a really great segue into my first takeaway. The fact that I know that I may ebb and flow in my faith journey goes right into this takeaway. And the first thing that I want to share with you is that there is nothing wrong with you. If you are in the middle of a faith crisis, what you are going through is a normal part of human development. I don't think I realized this early on in my faith crisis. And it helped me tremendously when I heard about a concept called Fowler's Stages of Faith. James Fowler was a psychologist and a theologian. He was a professor of theology and human development at Emory University. And he developed Fowler's Stages of Faith after gathering research and interviewing hundreds of individuals who talked with him one-on-one and described their faith journeys. He developed a six-stage framework that he claims transcends cultures, transcends religious tradition. And that was something else that really helped me in my faith crisis was realizing that this wasn't just unique to my religious tradition. People throughout time and across so many different religions have experienced what I'm experiencing, which disillusionment with questions, with disbelief. This is normal. People go through this. It's a developmental framework that describes how faith develops in a lot of human beings. I do not claim to be an expert on Fowler's stages of faith. I just listened to some podcast episodes about it and even this cursory understanding of this concept helped me tremendously. So I'm going to give you just a brief brief overview of what I know about Fowler's stages of faith with a caveat that I am not an expert. But this may just give you a starting place if you want to dive in and learn more, if this brings comfort to you, if you're interested in learning about your own faith development. So in stage one, which Fowler called intuitive projective faith, this is essentially babies to age like three. And in this stage, obviously, faith is not a thought out set of ideas. It's more impressions and feelings based on their experiences with their parents. So if a baby is in a stable and safe environment where their needs are met, they develop a sense of trust in the universe, which can lead to the development of a more conscious faith later on. If they are not in a stable and safe environment, that may lead to a less healthy understanding of faith later on, either an overemphasis on it as, you know, trying to use it to replace the stability of relationships that they had with their family, or maybe a complete dismissal of faith, totally. But at this level, stage one, faith is obviously very, very basic, and there's a very innocent understanding of God. Stage two, the mythic literal faith, would be children who are a little bit older, and that's where faith is really concrete and literal. So stories that you're told in church, everything is very, very literal and Children have a sense of sort of reciprocity, like doing good will result in a good result. Doing bad will cause bad things to happen. Like that's how they understand God to work. They may sort of assume that everybody in the whole world shares their specific faith tradition, their specific beliefs, because they're not able to see beyond that sort of like concrete, literal faith. They're obviously very, very reliant on the faith of their parents at that time, too, as well as their religious community. Stage three faith, synthetic conventional faith, would be around age 12, and it can last into adulthood. Some people stay in stage three faith for their entire lives, and that's okay. This is a more mature faith than the faith of children. You can think more abstractly. You can see layers of meaning in the religious stories that you've been told, You've had your own spiritual experiences. You're not just relying on the faith of your parents. You've claimed faith as your own. But the key, the difference between stage three and then the later stages is that in stage three, you're pretty much comfortable with religious authority coming from outside of yourself. You find comfort in religious institutions or belief systems You're okay with that locust of control being outside of yourself and being more with your church or your institution. Stage four faith is what many people describe as faith crisis. The actual term within Fowler's stages of faith is individuative, reflective faith. And I'm just going to read you a direct quote from one of the articles I found online about this. I'll link it in the show notes. It says, this stage is often characterized by angst and struggle as the individual takes personal responsibility for her beliefs or feelings. Religious or spiritual beliefs can take on greater complexity and shades of nuance. And there is a greater sense of open-mindedness, which can at the same time open up the individual to potential conflicts as different beliefs or traditions collide. So, yeah, this is when you may start to really question your own assumptions around your faith tradition and the authority structures of your faith. You really want to take personal responsibility and where things trouble you because they don't match up with your individual values. It's harder to just put it on the shelf, set it aside. You sort of feel like you have to look at it. And that is what leads to this sense of crisis. What I didn't realize is that there's a stage five. there's actually a stage six, but stage five is where you can get to after you make it through a faith crisis. When I was in the middle of it, I thought like, this is it. This is where I'm going to stay forever. I'm going to be in stage four and it's going to hurt. It's going to be so painful and there's no going back. You can't really go back to stage three once you've hit stage four, but you can go forward to stage five. So stage five is conjunctive faith. This stage is when the struggles and the questioning of stage four sort of give way to a more comfortable place in your faith. You recognize that there are always going to be paradoxes and mysteries within faith. You recognize that a lot of different faiths and people and religions have truth and that you may never find answers completely. You may sit in uncertainty for the rest of your life, but that faith is just that it is faith it is belief it is hope it is not certainty and in stage five you come to peace with that the article that i read says people at this stage are much more open to other people's faith perspectives this is not because they're moving away from their faith but because they have a realization that other people's faiths might inform and deepen their own yes and i just want to add to this that i think you can move into stage five faith Whether you stay or leave the religion of your youth, the religion that caused you to go into this developmental framework to begin with, it's about coming to peace with uncertainty and being open to all of the truth that the world has to offer you and bringing it into your life in whatever way feels and fits best for you. Stage six is universalizing faith. And James Fowler says this is like a handful of people who reach this level. It is religious teachers who become able to suspend their own needs in the service of humanity and the greater good. He said he'd never actually met anybody that had made it to stage six, but he assumed that people like Mother Teresa and Gandhi and great spiritual leaders were probably stage six. So, that is such a brief overview of the Fowler stages of faith, but it just gave me a lot of peace to realize this wouldn't last forever, this pain that I was in, and that something beautiful was coming. It helped me a lot to identify women and men in my life that I thought were probably stage five believers and to talk to them and reach out to them and to realize that this wouldn't hurt so much forever and that there was a place for me, whether I stayed or left my religious faith, that I could still find so much stability and beauty and hope in the world. And I want to add before I move away from Fowler's stages of faith that I do not judge anybody's faith. I do not think that a quote stage five is necessarily more transcendent than a stage three. I think that you can have your own beautiful, unique deep faith, no matter what stage resonates with you, where you are the most comfortable to sit and to stay throughout your life. I also think that we don't necessarily stay in one stage forever and that we go back and forth and you may hear these stages of faith and you may have thought I'm a stage three, but then you heard about five and think, well, I think I embody a lot of that too. I think that's totally possible. So this is not a framework to prescribe anything on anyone, to judge anyone. It's just to help you have a deeper understanding of what is going on with you if you are in a faith crisis and also normalize it and say, this is normal to go through ups and downs and ebbs and flows and to grow and develop within my faith and within my, quote, certainty. And I hope that learning about this gives you a little bit of the peace that it gave me. And that it still gives me when I find myself really questioning and really struggling with my faith. Let's take a quick break to thank this episode's sponsors. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Today on the podcast, I'm sharing a bit about my faith journey these past several years. I will admit that as my faith has shifted, I have sometimes felt very overwhelmed, isolated, even scared. It's hard to know who's safe to talk to to process this vulnerable topic, and it has been crucial for me to talk to my therapist. My therapist does not share my religious beliefs, but she has still been so helpful in supporting me as I navigate my anxieties and manage my thoughts. Whether or not you're navigating this particular challenge in your life, I'm guessing you are probably navigating something. And I highly recommend the help of a trusted counselor for whatever it is that you are processing right now. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash 3in30 today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P slash 3in30. This podcast is also sponsored by Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. This year, I'm working to change my mindset around meal planning. Instead of viewing it as never-ending drudgery, I am trying to reframe it as a way that I can set my family up for sharing connection at the dinner table. Green Chef is helping me get there because I can just pull out a bag from the fridge with all the pre-portioned ingredients and instructions, ready to whip up a restaurant-quality meal. No meal planning or grocery shopping required, just prep and cooking time, which I can do while I listen to my favorite podcast. That's not drudgery. It's kind of fun. Green Chef is now owned by HelloFresh, so with a wider array of meal plans to choose from, there's something for everyone. They have options for every lifestyle, including keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, fast and fit, Mediterranean, and gluten-free. With so many customizable options, you can't go wrong with Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. Go to greenchef.com slash 3in3060 And use code 3in3060 to get 60% off plus free shipping. That's greenchef.com slash 3in3060 and use code 3in3060 to get 60% off plus free shipping. The second thing that I want to tell you today, and I'm going to have to move a little quicker with these last two, but the second thing that really blessed me when I was in the middle of my faith crisis is The truth that you have your whole life to figure this out. You don't need to feel rushed or panicked. You can take it one day at a time as you unpack, unravel, and rebuild your faith. I did feel a sense of like, I have to figure this out. I have to make a decision when I was in the middle of it. And it was actually my dear friend, Celeste, who told me, you have your whole life to figure this out. Celeste had gone through her own faith journey a couple of years before and that's why I knew that I could talk to her and Celeste had actually decided to leave the faith that she and I both grew up in. And I really respected that she wasn't pulling or pressuring me either direction. She actually said to me, "Rachel, you're brave either way. You're brave if you stay, you're brave if you go. You can have a beautiful life and you can make a difference no matter what quote decision you make." And you are going to be unpacking and unraveling your faith for your entire lifetime. You have your whole lifetime to figure this out. So I want to pass that on to you, that you don't need to feel the rush of time. You can let this simmer. You can let yourself figure it out over the days, months, and years. And I would really encourage you to reach out and to talk to those people who you really trust, who have your best interest at heart, who have gone through this type of an experience. Whether they have decided to stay or to leave your religious tradition, those people with the wise mind and heart that you know are safe to talk to. And I'm so grateful that I had that in my friend Celeste. And then the third and final takeaway that I want to leave you with today is simply this. You are a good person. Please do not doubt or question that. Please do not let anybody in your life who is judging you for this challenge that you're in the middle of make you question that. I know from personal experience that you are grappling with your faith because of your personal integrity and your values. You wouldn't have chosen to go through something this difficult for no reason. You had the courage to recognize that something didn't feel right to you and to look at it. You are trying to take more responsibility for your faith journey, and that is admirable. This isn't your fault. I know you're not lazy or sinful or deceived, I know that doubts often come from the very best, most loving parts of us. I have come out on the other end of my faith crisis still believing in God, believing in God in a different, more parental way than ever before. And I feel like God knows that my questions come from the best parts of me, and he knows that about you too. So please hold on to that. Please know that you are not alone. Please know that this happens to so many people in so many different religions You can get through this. You can reach stage five if you are currently in stage four. And I promise you, everything is going to be okay. Let me say that again. Everything is going to be okay. And you are a good person. And don't let anybody else's judgment, don't let your own fear make you question that. I wanted to let you know that next week on the podcast, we are going to be having an episode about how to support your partner if they are going through a faith crisis or even if they have decided to leave and you are wondering how you can navigate a new normal in a mixed faith marriage, a marriage where one of you believes and one of you doesn't. Is that even possible? It is. Yes, it is. And our guest next week, Katie Mount from the Marriage on a Tightrope podcast, will be talking about three takeaways to really thrive in a mixed faith marriage, to really thrive as one or both of you is navigating a faith journey. It's possible. It's possible. I know how difficult it must feel right now if you are in that position, but please know that there is hope and I hope that next week's episode will be helpful for you. So that's it, my friends. Those are the three things that I want you to know today if you are in the middle of a faith crisis, inspired by my grandpa and his loving, loving words to me that will stay with me for the rest of my life. Happy birthday to him. I'm so grateful, so grateful. To have such loving people in my life that have supported me and have made me feel loved as I've gone through my own very, very dark time in my faith. I'm grateful for the people that I know will continue to be there for me through my ebbs and flows. And I'm grateful for the tools that I have developed through this incredibly difficult several years to feel like my faith is more resilient, more personalized, and that I can hold my doubts while also holding on to the things that I deeply hope to be true. Will I ever be able to say that I know things like I used to be able to say that? No. And that's okay. And in some ways, maybe that is a more tender, open, meaningful faith. Because faith is about hope, and faith is about belief. And I have those things. I choose those things. And that's where I'm grateful to have landed after all of these years of struggle. No matter where you yourself land, whether you end up inside or outside of a religious tradition, whether or not you end up believing in God or not believing in God, you are good. And I am so grateful that you tuned in and joined me for this episode. I hope it was helpful for you and a blessing for you. Remember the three truths. The first is that there is nothing wrong with you and that what you are going through is a normal part of human development. The second truth is that you have your whole life to figure this out and you don't need to feel rushed or panicked. And the third truth is that you are a good person. Please remember that. I'm rooting for you. I love you. And I hope you have a beautiful week with your family.